Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Toxin Tasting Studios, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast. I'm Blagan. And I'm Berg. And I'm Vicar. Hey, Pete. Hey, Pete. Welcome to the show. So uh, we're going to be... What do we think we're going to title this? The filler episode? Just kind of... Uh, get all sorts of. I'm gonna finish my my last three of the Ecclesiastes, right? You got to talk about the text. What do you got going on, Berg? Uh, I want to make a plug for the hardening of Israel's heart, uh, which is another Paul Hensel work uh, that has just come out, and you can buy it on Amazon. So I want to give people a little excerpt from that, so they can oh. uh, spend their hard-earned money on buying some amazing Lutheran stuff. Bringing bringing the Hensel back, indeed. <laughs> That's a good title. So, so should we should we back. contextualize should we contextualize this episode here? So we're filming this. I'm moving, uh, and we need we needed to be a week ahead <laughs> so I can get us all this stuff done, right? So we are recording this a week and a half before release. Bullhagen has just gotten back from not only his trip to his ordination in but, uh, uh, Baldwin's ordination in Wyoming, Baldwin in Wyoming, yeah. followed by a car trip to pick up his daughter. Like a what four hour round trip, four and a half hour round trip, five uh, hour round Minneapolis trip? and back, yeah, five, five, yeah. And uh, now we're recording a podcast at nine a.m. <laughs> Brilliant, it's great, and uh, it I'm, just shows how much we love the listeners. And I and I give them good stuff. And I'm anxious to hear the one that you guys recorded without me. That was the first episode exists. without me. Yes, it it exists. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> So, but we're, we're we're dedicated to the listener. I had a great time in uh, in Wyoming, uh, and uh, he he sounds uh, Pastor Baldwin sounds like he wants to give updates. I figure uh, people would like to hear what it's like to be a first pastor and kind of chronicling that from the beginning. So, so uh, soon we should start getting updates from him and. Uh, um, and I did get uh, the sermon recorded. I know Hannah wants wanted me to record it, and I think she also wants you to critique it. Um, so, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I like I like this. Spe- right. Speaking Although, of speaking of sermons, I have been thinking more about that D and D preaching. Yeah. And like refining the mechanics of it. Uh huh. So I am. So maybe in a couple weeks I'll have that worked out. So. Okay. I like this. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not sure if I said on the podcast or off the air, but I think that D and D, D and D preaching thing is probably my favorite thing we've done on the podcast. That was really enjoyable for me. All right, I've got a, That's a drink, great idea. The drink I have a uh, cherry lime sparkling water because I've already had my caffeine for the morning. So I'm one of those who who just uh, wakes up in the morning and takes one of those caffeine pills. Oh my. <laughs> Well, you know, as an athlete, you'll appreciate this. If you take, uh, I can't remember how much it is uh, per uh, pound of body weight, but if you take X amount uh, per pound of body weight, um, an athlete can increase his or her performance by 1% to 3%. Of, so, um, of what? <laughs> so, like, um, it, uh, whatever activity they're doing. So, if they're running, if they're lifting weights, and they take this caffeine... Um, oh, okay. it actually improves their their performance. 
There you go. So if you wanted to get all scientific about it. And Peter's got something he's called Sneak. Sneak. What is that? Not sponsored. Uh, it's basically, <coughs> it's it's gaming energy drink. What? The powder. Huh. So it's got. Do you sniff it? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, no. It, you get a, it's almost like a, you get like a protein shake shaker with it. So it's basically pre-workout. And, yeah, it's basically pre-workout, but for more mental simulation than physical. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. But it's got a cool package. I like it. Sneak. Huh. Sneak. I'll have to look that up. It's got caffeine and then a bunch of other stuff that's supposed to like uh, increase focus and decrease side effects of caffeine. Oh. It's so, like you're not supposed to get jitters and stuff. Okay. All right. I'm not sure where to go from there. <laughs> what? Well, I let's talk about want, the text just... because we're, you know, uh, we're talking, you know, we're all not caffeined up and we're not at our best. So <laughs> let's talk about God's word. So, yeah. So, so we're, we're recording a week in advance. So, um, uh, what, what is the text? <laughs> <laughs> well, we this are episode on will be a, coming out. This the is August the 8th Sunday after Trinity. Yeah. The gospel text is Matthew 7, 15 to 23, where Jesus talks about uh, false prophets. Oh. False teachers. Uh, using the, uh, the parable of the tree and its fruit to talk about the false prophets. And, and this is going to be your last sermon here. That's right. Yeah. Does quite, it make you sad? It does. It does. And it's quite the text to preach... Uh, heading out. <laughs> right. It's like the mic drop. Right. It's the mic drop you yeah. always wanted <laughs> yeah. at the end. That's right. No, I... You better not call awesome. me a f- false pre- uh, <laughs> yeah. prophet and yeah. walk out the door. I'll be right. upset. Yeah. Right. Fail. Fail. Right. That would not go well. I'll, I'll, I'll wait. I'll save that last evaluation until I hear that sermon. <laughs> That's probably best. <laughs> but it's interesting because this text, Matthew 7, is uh, the Old Testament reading appointed for that is Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah where it talks, I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, they would have proclaimed my words to my people, and they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. What, so. what, I, what I find um, in- interesting, if I could take a peek at, at that real quick, is, uh, and I mentioned this not too long ago on the podcast, actually, um, it goes 15 through... 23. 23. 23. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, how uh, the sincerity of the people who believe them, mm-hmm. you know, there I, I think there is generally genuine surprise, right, and sincerity, hmm. where where it says, um, where it says, Lord, Lord, um, uh, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And thus will I declare to you, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Think about that. Uh, the general shock of of those who said, well, we did all these things in your name. They're, they thought it was in his name. But it wasn't in his name, because he calls them workers of lawlessness, and and lawlessness is, at the heart of it, 
well, you have the Ten Commandments, you have the Word of God. So lawlessness would be apart from what God has given in scriptures. But I think that that is one of those things that I think uh, is very, um, very contemporary in that um, everyone, to a certain degree, feels that they're justified by something. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, how many f- funerals have you ever been to uh, outside of the church where they said, they didn't say, well, he's in a better place? And. <laughs> right. You know? Or as your favorite um, uh, Carrie Underwood hymn goes, the preacher said he was a good man. His brother said he was a good friend. But the two women in the black veils didn't bother to cry. <laughs> wow. Wow. What? I have a question. How come I I get called my that's mine when you're the one who knows all the words? I'm calling you out on that. <laughs> so, um, so Vicar, do you know what direction you're going to go with that? Nope. Still, still letting it kind of but, but, percolate. But right we now. have there. There are a lot of places where the name of Jesus is used. Right. But definitely, you can say workers of lawlessness. Now you say, well. Lawlessness. Well, isn't that what it's become? When we think of of uh, churches in our own towns and what they advocate for, mm-hmm. you know, utter lawlessness, um, mm-hmm. in ways that I don't, I never saw coming twenty five years ago. Yeah, and even even in orth, what we would consider Orthodox churches, um, the thing is, is that these people don't believe, right? These men who are prophesying. These men who are casting out demons, right? They're actually doing these works, which shows that the word of God is effective and powerful, mm-hmm. right? Um, but their God is their belly, mm. and their end is destruction. Mm. Um, that God still uses their words to further his kingdom, and God be praised for that. Um, but these men who ha- are preaching and teaching and baptizing, because, I mean, how else do you cast out demons, right? Mm-hmm. Other than you know holy baptism and the like, right? Mm-hmm. A greater miracle is there than uh, having our Lord's body and blood on the altar. Um, and yet these men don't believe and mm-hmm. they're not saved. And I think in a way that's that's a comforting part of this text too is that God's work is still going on despite and through these workers of lawlessness, mm-hmm. which is really uh, a, a blessed thing. I mean, and a. Uh, a Pauline epistle, if you it's short, but the book of Philippians, uh, Paul addresses preachers that are preaching for the wrong intention early right. on. Preaching Christ from envy. Right. Yeah. And I'm that's what I'm going through right now with uh, with my Bible class right now, and it's very appropriate in light of uh, Trinity eight and also talking about the you know, what you quoted, their God is their belly, their end is destruction, that's Philippians three. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if you'd like to read a Pauline epistle that goes along with the theme of Trinity 8, I'd encourage the four chapters in Philippians, because Paul hammers this home time and time again, uh, that the Lord is working. He says that I rejoice that the Lord works even through those who have the wrong intentions. Right. But he says, beware of them. Right. Beware. Right. Well, and I think too, like, because we've all seen it and we've all heard these very sad stories about pastors who have fallen or, uh, you know, uh, and have no longer been able to stay in the ministry because of their sin, hmm. 
or they've forsaken the Christian faith itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that always raises the question in somebody's uh, mind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is this Christianity thing all bunk? Right. Or am I really baptized? Right. Or Did I receive I... the Lord's Supper? And I, I dealt with a situation like that um, many years ago, and uh, it, those fears were real, you know. Um, and uh, and uh, just simply point pointing them to the fact that God's word is true. It does what it says it does. It's not dependent upon the man. It's dependent upon the word of God, Christ, who continues to do His work. Right. Um, and a text like this is very important. Which is what, yeah, which is one why one reason why uh, we do things within the service itself to separate the man from the office. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, even even when you think about the idea of simply calling uh, uh, the reverend in your church pastor, it's you know when you when you just say, you know, <laughs> hey Carl, right, right, right. Then yeah. then what happens is. Um, you become just, just a Joe and, you know, like if it doesn't matter so much, like if we're doing, you know, like hanging out and having a beer and a cigar or something like that. Or recording a podcast. Right. Right. But at the same time though, you want to make a separation of, especially in church, that I'm declaring God's word. I'm absolving in the name of Jesus. Uh, Jesus is instituting the Lord's Supper through me. We wear robes uh, uh, to separate the man from the office in a sense of, okay, now this is something special. He, he's, he, we stand in a pulpit. We stand at the altar. Um, and uh, children understand this very well. You know, when they think uh, every, you know, a lot of children consider their pastor to be Jesus, Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You know, I've been called Mister Jesus before, so I mean, <laughs> this young man was especially pious. So, <laughs> but that that just goes to show they understand that there is something special going on. But it's not the man; it's the office, mm-hmm. and that's something Scripture does. I think that's something that we go out of their, our way mm-hmm. in in the service. This is why, you know, if you were to propose getting a, a like a clear acrylic pulpit. Pastors, Lutheran pastors, like, yeah, that's not a good idea because it's not about me. Me, yeah, right. Hmm. Um, and uh, that's why we wear what I would consider a uniform. What does mm-hmm. he, you know, with our robes and everything? What mm-hmm. does a uniform do? It, it takes away the personality of it. It becomes more, but you know, every you go to Lutheran church, we're all wearing the basically the same thing, the same colors, right? To show that there's one, that there's unity. Two, that it's not about the individual pastor. It's about the word that he speaks. And so three, if you're in a church that's had several pastors, several different personalities, but yet it's not about the personality of the pastor, it's the word spoken, Right. which also mm-hmm. goes back to the importance of using liturgy in a sense of that is something pastors will always have different preaching styles. They'll always focus on different things in the text, um, but the, the liturgy is something that is always consistent. Um, and that's focuses on the words of Christ. Mm-hmm. So 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 yeah, that's a that's a good point Berg when you when you think about um people in that kind of situation to to remember it's the word of God and it's not the man. There's a separation there between the man and the office. And the church has wrestled with this uh all the way back to the like the 6th 7th century with the Donatist controversy 
uh, where, I mean, it was the same controversy where if the cler- if the clergy was, uh, you know, um, in error or, uh, you know, renounced the faith, does that mean the whole? Yeah, everything I mean, was invalid. They they ended up believing that they were the only true church on earth. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And that's and that's a scary place to be. Yes. Yeah. Um, and this is kind of why Hensel has talked about mm. separatism and unionism, unionism yeah. like in some of our previous episodes, uh, the right. way that he has. And that, that being said, too, um, play, placing a pastor in that situation, it, it doesn't even mean that what the pastor taught was um, insincere. It's just he was a sinner. <laughs> right. You know, some temptations for that particular pastor might have been just he was weak. Right. And he shouldn't be a pastor, but it doesn't necessarily mean what he was saying previous was insincere, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, because we all, every every one in the pew has uh, grave moral failings <laughs> that does not keep them from being Christian. Now, as pastors, we're hold to a higher standard, mm-hmm. but it doesn't necessarily make everything he said previous insincere it just means that he was a sinner <laughs> right and you know i would go through what he says too at the same time you know i would reevaluate what he says too and just make sure but we should be doing this every sunday right mm-hmm. even for uh, right you know and that, that's why that's why you you have the focus of god's word right. because that that is what unifies us mm-hmm. um uh and uh, that is where true unity lies in the Word of God, because um, in the midst of the struggles, we can always say, okay, this is what God's Word says, even as we all struggle with it. Right. So, so, um, and the other thing I, I would say about the false teachers is, is what is one of my stupid phrases I like to use? Uh, the, that temptations are by nature tempting. Right. No crying in sheep's head. No crying in sheep's head. Unless you don't get Schneider. Unless you don't get Schneider. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, family rule. Um, but uh, uh, temptation is by nature tempting, meaning uh, when we think of the Ten Commandments, we always focus on the ones that aren't tempting to us. Right. But the fact that sin really is, at its core, desirable, comes in a way that seems good and bright and loving. It appeals to all the different kind of natures we have, sometimes even the ones that make it seem loving and kind and generous. Um, those are tempting too. And and that's what I would place a lot of false teachers is, is their message is skewed. And often, because they get a following, it shows that their message their false message, their message of lawlessness, is very tempting, very appealing. Mm. It sounds good to the, the to our someone's sensibilities and how they see the world, and it seems like it's positive and invigorating and helpful to their neighbor, mm. and and all those things. Uh, a false teacher comes with all those things, and they sound tempting. They sound wonderful. They sound good. They say, they've opened up my life. They've helped me. All those things people will say. And, uh, but yet, when you, you line up against God's word and what Jesus says, I never knew you. Especially when it's done in the name of Jesus, as false teaching. Right. So 
So that falls right in, lo- in line with that. So uh, why don't we, I got to finish up the Ecclesiastes section. So uh, I got three more. Peter, play the intro. Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's Top 12. All right, this is a big moment. Top three. Top three and what I think my father would call probably the most important thing we've done on this show. <laughs> and uh, like your father, that is the third time you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Number three. All right, uh, nine, twelve. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net and like birds that are caught in a snare, so the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. All right. Uh, now, like I said, I, I picked this because I thought it was a weird time in our country, in our world. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... Um, the fact that the times and circumstances of this world are beyond human control and that people cannot change them is re-emphasized in this verse. The times entrap people like hapless fish and birds, and there is no possible escape. The times imprison people so that they may as well try to cope with them. That's about all they can do. People are not free to create new times more to their liking. They are simply victimized by the times in place. The times also fall upon the people like a robber. No one can predict the time of his own death. Yet it is inevitable. The whole world will end in the second coming of Jesus Christ, which the scriptures warn us will come like a thief in the night, catching all unbelievers unawares and unprepared for the judgment that will take place. While certainly applicable to the ultimate times, death and the return of Christ, This verse also applies to more immediate factors throughout earthly life that overtake a person, as so aptly illustrated by the net and trap imagery. The sudden, unpredictable nature of worldly events makes the potential effectiveness of wisdom even more dubious for temporal problems. The times and seasons of this evil age sneak up on people and catch them from completely unawares. Sound wisdom-based planning for the future will often fail to foresee the unforeseeable, but it gets worse still. Oftentimes, a person will not even be able to tell what kind of time is currently operative and holding sway. That certainly was true for many at the time of Jesus. They could not discern the signs of the times, which indicated that the Messianic age had already arrived. In fact, they were witnessing the culmination of the ages, but did not know it. Jesus, however, as true God and true man, did know the times appointed for him by his heavenly Father. The Lord, Je- Lord showed his repeated, this repeatedly throughout his earthly ministry, when he was threatened and untimely at the threatened with untimely death at the brink of a precipice. Just he just walked away right through the midst of the murderous mob, for this was not the appropriate time and manner for his uh, atoning death. And I can go on, but. Sometimes when you get into it, you don't know exactly where to stop. But right. I appreciated the fact that the suddenness of, of evil in the world mm. and how it, it kind of catches us unawares. And sometimes in that, the, the sound wisdom that we have uh, may seem more ridiculous. Yep. 
people don't like to think of themselves as fish or birds. Right. Right. We like to think of ourselves <laughs> as being much more self-determinative, you know, determinate, determining, right. you know, yeah. that we, that we make our own fate, right? Your favorite uh, movie, There Is No Fate But What We Make. Terminator 2? Oh, okay. Man. Come on, it's like the best sequel ever. Man. Wow. <sighs> anyway, so, you know, but uh, it's not true. I did make my wife watch Running Man, Running Man the other night. That's a good movie. Uh, yeah, it's more true today than it was in the 80s. Um, but, but I think, uh, you know, like I said earlier, timeliness of it, that's a good description of what we've been going through the last six months. Right. I mean, were we ready for all this? Nope. Do you think everyone feels as though they've been taking down a notch a little bit? I would say so. Yeah. Uh, were we aware of the threats Really? Six, seven months ago? Did we see the nets? Right, no. right. And uh, are we at a point where we can make sense of it now? Like we truly know what's going on? There's so much conflicting information, I would say no. And then if you think politically, how do you feel politically? Do you think we know what's really <laughs> going on politically right now? <laughs> I, I don't think so. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is – I thought, for example – um, when 9-11 happened, uh, um, I had already been a pastor for a little time. That was kind of an interesting time to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I thought that was going to be the weirdest time. So I was in the first grade. Watch the, watch the, uh, the news. They sent us home at lunch at noon, I think. But the TV was up in the corner of the room and I have that seared into my mind. Yeah, it's... I, you know, I remember just just how how irrational we were all. Okay, so back then uh, I was in uh, Warsaw, Illinois, in Keokuk, Iowa, right there on the Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And, and there is a right in Keokuk, uh, there is a, a a dam with a lock system, right? Right. And uh, and uh, everyone was very nervous because they thought. We're the next target because we have this lock and dam here. If they come and blow up this lock and dam, they're going to f- overwhelm this town of like 200 people. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah you yeah. know, because I think of all the, the big targets in our country, you know, obviously. White House, the Pentagon, Keokuk. Yeah. In that order. That was for sure. I mean. But, you know, everyone everyone was afraid of that, you know. Wow. Um, <laughs> And uh, um, and actually, there was a little outpost in Kikuk, a little outpost of the of um, the Coast Guard there, hmm. that actually was barricaded, so that trucks couldn't come in and, you know, yeah, wow, because you know you don't think oh Kikuk, Iowa, uh, you know Coast Guard, but yeah, though they were there. Interesting, huh? Um, I've seen signs for Kikuk. I've never actually been there. You're missing out. I don't recommend it. <laughs> to all our listeners from Keokuk, Iowa, we love you. If if you are okay, if you are a listener that can verify you're from Keokuk, don't okay? make promises you can't keep. Before you keep talking, don't make promises you can't. I, keep. I'm going to keep this one. I'm going to keep it. All right, with a qualifier. If <laughs> <laughs> if 
we get this teacher t-shirt thing go up and going. If you're a listener from Keokuk, like, verify you live in Keokuk. Send us an email at feedback at clericalheirs.org with your address and with a size of t-shirt, and we will send you a Clerical Heirs t-shirt as soon as they become available. How does that sound, Where Peter? are we at on that? We've got some orders in the email of people wanting them. Well, oh. orders. We have people who are interested. Oh. Right. So... We have we do have some interest. We have there we have plenty of interest enough I think to get this done. So, because um, they're they're good, they're going to be good looking T-shirt. The mock-up I have is really cool. It's got a front and a back. So nice. So we got to get this done. And uh, so if you're interested, um, let us know sizing, and then we'll figure it out how to how to either if they can pay through Patreon or something like that. Um, I'd, yeah, I'd want to do it at cost out. if that's okay with everyone here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever we pay, we'll, you know, we'll pass that on to you. We won't try and make a, a profit or anything like that. So so as soon as we get that information, too. But we want to get, for sizing information, the Thrivent shirt, because most people have tried on at least a Thrivent shirt, because I want to get that right. kind of material, that kind of shirt. They're nice. Because people seem to like those. So um, that's what we're going to go for. Did you see that Thrivent rebranded? I was very disappointed in the rebrand. Oh, really? They got they? they got rid of the cross. Mm. Yeah. So that's sad. Yeah, it's it's really it's the word Thrivent, and the the last T in the word is uh, has a little heart. Uh, they make they made the T into a little heart. Look at that. Ugh. Mm. Yeah, it's a shame. Anyway, what's going on? The Thrivent rebrand. See, they made the little uh, T at the end into a heart. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So no more crosses. How much money do you think it took to make that? We got a letter saying that they were going to rebrand. They sent a letter to all of their... Well, you know, the cross is offensive, <laughs> so... <sighs> yeah. Anyway. Oh. Uh, well... But anyway, so <laughs> the T-shirts are going to be awesome, though. Yes. <laughs> and they're going to be offensive in the way of the gospel, so, you know. That's right. So the good kind do of we, scandal. Do we have to be worried know? about the... I shouldn't bring this up. Never mind. <laughs> well, this is the bric-a-brac episode, so... <laughs> I was... The skin tone of the of the pastor. I mean, I wasn't going to say it, and then it just kind of came out, so... How many episode titles do I have this episode? Probably like six or seven by the now. Bric-a-brac <laughs> <episode. That's laughs> the bric-a-brac episode. The bric-a-brac episode. I think that's that, that's the... I think that's leading the way. Okay. All right. Number two. <laughs> Where were we? Back to the segment we started 20 minutes ago. Oh, boy. Um, and I lost my place, so I'm just going to pick a spot here. Um, Number two, you're just going to pick one? <laughs> no. I've, I've thought about this. Clearly. <laughs> Number two. All right. Uh, this is uh, from 11 verse 1. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Say that one more time. I wasn't listening. <laughs> Cast you your... want it maybe in a different translation? <laughs> yeah. I've got the message up here. Yeah, Peter, pull it up. <laughs> well, actually, I should probably use his own translation. Well, yeah, okay, read his, and we'll compare it to... Uh, uh, and uh, uh, Dr. Will Higgins says, Cast your bread upon the waters, for in many days you will find it. Be generous. Invest in acts of charity. Charity yields high returns. 
That's a little different. Ooh. All right. <laughs> so, uh, Bullhagen says, Thus, the message of this verse is this, Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Although the world is a rough place, the reader is encouraged to plunge onward, to take some chances in life, and not be handcuffed by fears of what might go wrong. Learning how to get along with other people will not only work to one's political advantage, but will also spell mutual financial benefit as well. True, war will always be an ongoing fact of life, but cooperative effort, even among fools and other poor sinners, can improve the lot of everyone involved. A childlike trust in God can certainly help to overcome any timidity in this regard. The believer can freely trade and negotiate with people of every stripe throughout the world, throughout the secular world of business. No Christian yellow page is needed. By shrewdly and confidently interacting with people and the whole, and all the while trusting God can be wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. That, that, that is, I think that was more of a popular thing, I would say, 20 years ago, where you would, the point was you would always go out of your way to find a Christian business? Have you ever? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, yeah. I don't know. I go back and forth on that too because, like, I think, like, I don't know. And that's probably a topic for a different time. But, yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. No, I want to go yeah. there. More likely, <laughs> more likely you go after the, uh, you just don't go to the obviously not Christian business. Yeah, right? that's a better way of saying it, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like, especially... You know, people who claim to be Christians and yet live immoral and adulterous lifestyles. Right. You know. Like like um, uh, one of the insurance places that Julie and I used when we first married on the sign, it had a fish right there, you know, the Christian fish right there on his sign. And uh, to me, I thought that was, in a way, kind of using... Yeah, you know, he would probably say I'm using it as a Christian witness. To me, it made it sound like, hey, if you're a Christian, you can trust me. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, using Jesus for marketing, using the Messiah for marketing is probably not a good idea, right? Unless it's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're not making any money okay. though. That's okay. the thing. <laughs> All right, <laughs> stay tuned for our rebranding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Hannah, when you rebrand the podcast, we want a heart. <laughs> yeah, we we want some mock-ups of uh, you know, our rebranding, please. For the for the the second line. So did line you guys get the text that she sent? She, yeah, she sent we we've got her now in our in our group chat and uh so I had sent a message that's like, "Hey, we're still recording." And you guys all said yes, and she said had a, have a grood show, uh, not a typo. Ten points to whomever whomever guesses the origin. How many times did her smartphone want to recorrect that word? I have I, no idea. That's that takes work. Got to override the machine and like grood. Well, I don't know. Unless she's talking about Groot from uh, the Marvel movies. That's I've got no clue. Yeah, that's the closest. All right, Groot uh, is a know. combination Sorry, of great and good. It has a similar, if not identical, meaning to those words. It originated from a Flash cartoon on the HomestarRunner.com humor website. Wow. <laughs> really? Hannah, Homestar Runner? 
Yes. That surprises me. I I, I love Homestar. <laughs> Especially the emails from Strong, from uh, Strong Bad. Oh my gosh, those are hilarious. I'm just waiting for you to I, speak English. I I only know it chan- uh, tangentially. I I've like, like heard about I actually have the game, Hannah, Trogdor the Burninator. What? There's yeah. a you know there's a uh, is that the the board game? Yeah, yeah, it's a board game. It's where you can be Trogdor uh, yeah. and you know you burninate the peasants and the countryside and the thatched roof cottages. You know, I have seen that. So <laughs> the, the real burg is coming out. <laughs> yeah. So you know. So if anyone I have wants no to idea find... what you're talking about, <laughs> you have to go on YouTube and just type type in Trogdor the Burninator. <laughs> Let's just get a Google search here. Oh my goodness! There's Trogdor. Okay. If we rebrand, I want Trogdor on our on our T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be not not that one. <laughs> okay. All right. This is this will make for a good podcast of us watching Peter Google. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> number one. And number one. The highly anticipated. <laughs> number one. Uh, verse Chapter 12, verse 14. The last verse of Ecclesiastes. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, the reader has been exposed to the tragedy of human life in this world. The sorrows have been seen as so severe that the reader might have been led to seriously wonder if God cares about what happens in the world or worse, too seriously to seriously wonder if God even knows what is happening or is there. God is there. He is the creator of the universe and of the human race. He knows everything down to the little things people think that they are doing in secret, and he cares. His omniscience about the human condition made this inspired book possible, and through it he imparts the gospel of his love for all in Jesus Christ. This book speaks of the various times of human life, and in the fullness of time, God sent his Son. He will return when earthly time is up and inaugurate the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. Our human tragedies of the sort covered in this book, became Christ's tragedies. But his resurrection triumph has become our triumph forever. So there we go. Thank you, Dr. Bullhagen. And uh, I encourage anyone who wants to study Ecclesiastes, I would say this is, to me, one of the easier um, of the commentaries for a layperson yeah, to read through. Yeah, it seems way more straightforward than a lot of them that I've read. So so they can pick that up at CPH, Concordia Publishing House. Mm-hmm. And and uh, uh, do you know what I would love? Okay, this is what I want. Okay, I want the, the Clerical Errors Army to do this. Okay, I need, I need someone to write an Amazon review of this book. And in that Amazon review, say... I found out about this book through the Clerical Heirs podcast, <laughs> and then give a give a five star review. Okay, so if someone, please, listeners, because because if 
We could also use some more five star reviews right. too on our right <laughs> on our iTunes and uh, other ones as well. So because he it's got only three reviews, we need to bump that up, right? Right. That's not a cheap book. It's not. It's not. But with someone from the Clerical Heirs RV, please write a review and mention that you heard it from the Clerical Heirs podcast. That would just that would be amazing. So, um, and if if someone from the army doesn't do it, it's gonna have to be Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no he this guy the bottom review here bowlinger oh yeah he didn't quite get the name there <laughs> it's all right anyway so go buy the book it it's definitely it's an investment but it's definitely worth your money you know it is so you're looking at about 60 dollars on amazon um, and that's, uh, you know, I mean, honestly, that's, 60. that that's le- $60, right? Fifty nine ninety nine. Um, there are only four left in stock, so buy them up. And, and, and uh, if you want, uh, send them to the show and I will sign them as the son of the author. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I wonder if the author himself would Christopher mind Tolkien. sending one. Uh, right. probably. All right. Well, you know what? Did you see see that page? Okay, so aw, to Carl, my son and fellow pastor. That's nice. Wow. He yeah. dedicated it to you. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Cool. There you go. So I had to do it kind of this this session. <laughs> I see. <laughs> All right. All right. So in lieu of Pastor Peace Theater, uh, I also wanted to put in a plug for another book. All right. Um it's the same author, Paul Hensel, who we've been hearing from uh, in our garlic uh, episodes and our readings. Mm-hmm. Um, this has just come out, it on, and it's on Amazon. Uh, it's called The Hardening of Israel's Heart and the Hardening of Heart in the Church. It was translated by Floyd Brandt, and the editor is uh, Pastor Michael Holman. He is a oh, LCMS yeah. pastor in Olwine, uh, Iowa. And I believe you can buy this book for around $25 uh, off of Amazon. And uh, all of the proceeds go to, um, let's see here, all of the proceeds go to the church, actually. Uh, So none of these proceeds go to uh, anybody else, but it actually goes to, I think it's Peace Lutheran Church, uh, which is uh, Pastor Holman's congregation. So. Um, now that we, we know that we can do a phone interview, maybe we should schedule that next time. Do you think he'd like to talk about it? Yeah, I think so. I, I think he would really like to talk about, uh, this book, uh, what it means, um, cause he spent over a year putting this together. Hmm. Uh, it's a great labor of love hmm. and, um, it's, it's definitely worth your time. And I just wanted to read a little excerpt from it, especially on false prophets, because the text is from Jeremiah. Okay. Our Old Testament reading for this coming Sunday. And so this is the section entitled, Peace, Peace, and There Is No Peace. Hmm. Jeremiah now comes forward publicly and preaches what is put into his mouth. His first audience was the people who worshipped at Jerusalem. The false prophets were leading the people around by the nose, and the priests were making slaves of them. The people liked it. They were so clever. They gladly put up with fools. Paul's words to the Corinthians apply to them. Ye suffer it if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man smite you on the face. 
The hirelings indulged themselves, and the fleshly-minded Israel let them get away with it. The people were glad to pay someone to sing them to sleep. The full-bellied hirelings made sure they left the people feeling good. In those days, just as it, also, it is also in our days, the priests taught the people to think their ruination was nothing serious. They kept saying, Peace, peace, even though there was no peace. They cried, Here is the temple of the Lord. Here is the temple of the Lord. Hold fast to this place, then you will be saved. Stay with the Orthodox Church, then you can't go wrong. The priests cannot err when they teach the law, and the prophets cannot preach false doctrine. That is what the people relied on. Of course, there is no sermon easier to preach than this one. Here is a way for flesh and blood to inherit the kingdom of God. This is ever the chief article in the confession of the great church. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry prick up their ears. They are ready to join. The devil himself opens his prayer book and begins to stammer and mutter along. Wherever the true visible church is pointed out, there is where the stand patterns are to be found. They shriek, here is the temple of the Lord. Here is the temple of the Lord. Onward, membership in the right temple is already half the battle when it comes to faith. When people have been confirmed in this deadly delusion and the unqualified truth of the Bible begins to be sounded forth, then that peaceful, flourishing congregation will always turn into a den of murderers. Jeremiah had to deal with this kind of people who say, we know what is right, we have the Bible. That is why they did not side with him. His preaching of repentance was boring to them. With surliness and disappointment all over their faces, they walked out and left him standing there. They would rather listen to the humbug of their officious false priests. Jeremiah preached the downfall of Judah. With every color of the palette, he painted a vivid picture of the immediate desolation. The voice of the bridegroom and, the br and of the bride will grow silent. The corpses of the people will be food for the birds of the heavens and the beasts of the earth. There will be no not one to shoo them away. Otherwise, others will be scattered everywhere under the sun, moon, and stars that they have loved and served and followed and sought and worshipped. The rest of this re reprobate people would rather be dead than alive. This will come upon Judah because they commit a double sin. They have forsaken the well of living water and at the same time have hewn themselves cisterns that give no water. They have exchanged their glory for a useless idol. Even the heathen are not that stupid. They do not change their gods every so often. In their distress, Judah went to Egypt and drank of the water of Sihor, the Nile. Then they went to Assyria to drink of the Euphrates. That is why they must learn the hard way what heartache and anguish it brings to forsake the Lord thy God and fear him not. Like all the prophets without exception, Jeremiah preaches historically. Space and time vanish. To his mind, the past becomes the present. The generations of the centuries melt down into a single generation. The heritage of the generation living now are the accumulated wondrous works of God immortalized in history as well as the accumulated sins of the fathers. He compresses events scattered over 1,500 years into one lifetime. I remember when you were a lovely bride, a sweet young girl, and when you followed me through the wilderness in a land not sown. We do the same thing when we imagine ourselves in the Garden of Eden, eating the forbidden fruit and being driven out afterwards. That was Judah's original sin. She forgot her bridal gown and veil. She forgot all about her wedding day. That was when her husband rescued her from the great perils as on eagle's wings and pledged himself to her forever. She despised her history. When the snowstorms came down from Lamedon, the snow on the rock and the field lasts longer, and the rain does not pour down as swiftly as my people forget me. There stands Jeremiah, a giant between Sinai and Babylon. The dead past comes alive for him by the Spirit of the Lord. Out of this great interweaving of past and present, he calls his generation from its apostasy back to the God of their youth. His preaching rings with the fervent wooing of the bridegroom. He begs and pleads as Hosea had done. 
It is right when the adulteress is divorced by her husband, yet the Lord is willing to be reconciled to his adulteress, but she refuses to come back to him. Where will you find anyone who gets lost and is not glad to find his way again? But this people of Jerusalem insists on going astray. There is not a one who grieves over his wickedness and says, What have I done? The stork in the sky knows her time, turtle dove, crane, and swallow mark, when it is time to return. But my people refuse to heed the sign of the Lord. We rejoice when the first songbird returns in the spring. God who created these creatures watches over them and delights to see them follow his voice with their natural instincts, likewise waits for his children to return. Any one of them is worth more to him than many sparrows. But although the swallow used to have a home in the amiable courts of the Lord and once made her nests in the Lord's altars and hatched her young there, now she does not return. Judah has turned herself into a camel. Panting and in heat, she runs this way and that, chasing after strangers. Hmm. Yeah, such a poetic way of putting everything. Yeah, it's a wonderful book. Uh, it goes through the entire Bible, and it talks about the hardening of heart. Um, it is often a hard read, um, not so much for understanding, but it's a hard read because uh, it strikes us so close to the heart. Um, and it should remind us of our own times. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why these things were written, for our, for our learning, for our understanding. And so um, I, you know... Um, that, that's what, you know, you look at what I've been reading from Ecclesiastes, and, and you look at that, there is, this, um, it's amazing. Or we look at the text that we preached, the, you know, right when the pandemic hit and all this stuff. Right. In a way, it was so easy to preach because you're seeing uh, in, that nothing really changes. This is all stuff that we've actually been dealing with a long time. Right. Mm-hmm. It might be new to us at this current time, but, but uh, you know... Hensel sees those words. Ecclesiastes sees those words. Dr. Bullhagen saw in, in one of the readings how it were like fish being caught in the net. Right. And hopefully, you know, your pastors who you listen to Sunday in and Sunday out also see those words. Yeah. You know, and we should learn to recognize the times, you know, and how they're really not that different uh, from, you know, 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago. And they won't be that different in the future either. Yeah, and I do think, uh, you know, when I think of uh, P- Pastor Baldwin um, and and our current vicar, you know, it it's a, could be an interesting time for them to start being to pastors. Start. Um, and uh, uh, lots of opportunities, but, you know, when you say, where is this all head in 10, 20, 30 mm-hmm. years, you know, mm-hmm. it's not going to be any easier to be a pastor. No, no. No, and that's the good thing is that Jesus also remains forever. Right. And God calls, you know, continually calls his church back, which is... Mm-hmm. Right. And, and well, what, what you read, well, Jeremiah went through it. Yep. <laughs> right. Right. Jeremiah went through it. We go through it. You guys will go through it. And that's okay. Which is, which is why I kind of want the, uh, the Baldwin thing to, to get off the ground, just to, to hear it from the very beginning. <laughs> right. So, um, do we have any correspondence, Peter, that you know of? Uh, nothing of note, I don't believe. Uh, we got another maybe 10 minutes to fill. You guys want to do uh, Spin the Wheel? Sure. Sure. We haven't done that for a while. Peter, play the intro. 
Do you have impaired concentration? Then this is for you. It's the Impaired Concentration Bible Study. One verse, one verse only. So yeah, it's been a while since we've uh, spun the wheel. By the way, I love that music. <laughs> it's pretty rad. Yeah, I haven't heard that music in a while. That's that's nice. All right. So, uh, so for the listener, if you're new to the show, one of our first um, segments was uh, the Bible study for the concentrationally impaired, impaired right? And so. Uh, um, it started off, we went through the entire book of Obadiah, and, and the reason why we, it's impaired is we only go through one verse at a time. Right. Um, and then from there, we've done uh, uh, various verses through this wheel that, that Peter built. And so uh, um, if you are ready to spin the wheel. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Oh, I don't want Psalms. I'm spinning the wheel again. <laughs> there we go. Wheel says John 5, verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that has that him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Well, that's a pretty easy one uh, to talk about. Well, we should probably place it in its context. Does anybody have the context of that? Jesus is talking about his relationship with the Father here in uh, John 5. He's he's speaking to uh, the Jews uh, who are seeking to kill him already because he was calling God his own Father. Uh, claiming the same authority, the same power, uh, the same uh, glory to be attributed to him. Uh, And so here, uh, this is following whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And we hear that a little bit in the passage, verse 24 here. Um, And then following this, uh, he talks about uh, the judgment that the Son of Man or, or... you know, the Son of God will bring. Uh, so, But this is a kind of a beautiful aspect of it, is, is uh, as Jesus does, in bringing condemnation, on the other, the other side of that, he says, but, you know, if you believe my word, hear my word, then you have everlasting life. Right. And if you break it down, I mean, you can teach most parts. Actually, this would be a good confirmation verse mm. for people, mm-hmm. you know. So, like, first of all, most assuredly, or amen, I say to you. Right. Right? This is an oath. Jesus is swearing by himself that this is true. Okay? Mm-hmm. He has put his imprimatur on it. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, he who hears my word, right? So, first of all, preaching. Right? Mm-hmm. You need to hear God's word. Hear. Hear right? is important. Hearing is important. And believes in him who sent me. Right? Faith comes by hearing. Mm-hmm. Who do we believe in? We believe in the Father, mm-hmm. right, uh, who sent Jesus. Who makes himself known through the Son. Right. You and, can't know the Father without the Son. Right. And he who, you know, he who has seen me, as Jesus says, has seen the Father, right? Mm-hmm. This man has everlasting life, which is wonderful uh, mm-hmm. because, um, you know, we are all, we're all going to die, 
right? Mm-hmm. And especially in a pandemic, this is uh, great news, right? Um, the next part then moves into judgment, right? Well, why do we die? Because we're sinners, right? Mm-hmm. And Jesus has taken away that judgment, that condemnation, uh, but ha- but we have passed from death to life. Mm-hmm. So actually, um, I love this uh, little graffiti on Mount Athos, that uh, Mount Athos is a monastery in Greece, mm-hmm. and uh, it says, if you die before you die, then you don't have to die when you die. Okay? Hmm. If you die before you die, you don't have to die when you die. Right? So if you die to sin, right, Mm -hmm. before you physically die, then you won't die forever when you physically die. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. So if we break it down like... So it's actually just a really wonderful way um, to, uh, you know, express... You know, it sounds silly, but I mean, it's really actually very profound that um, we're already dead to sin, right? And 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 uh, one aspect too that uh, we can tie in very easily with this text is, okay, you hear my word and believe him who sent me has eternal life, right? Mm-hmm. You go fast forward to the resurrection where where Jesus appears to his disciples and said, "As the Father has sent me, even now I am sending." You right, uh, and uh, in my ordination sermon, I mentioned that the, here uh, in that passage, the resurrection of Jesus and the appearance, he ties it immediately to the preaching office, hmm. right, and uh, and ties it to uh, the resurrection to the certainty that Jesus has here in this oath. I say unto you, you know, the truly, truly, the verily, verily, the amen that you you you, you mentioned earlier. He then sends with those who go out with that word so that they mm-hmm. may hear that word and believe that word and believe the, the words that Jesus sent. Uh, and, and so this is something that Jesus then later ties to the work of the church and to the work of pastors, really, mm-hmm. and, and proclaiming that word. Well, and, you know, so the implications of this, too, like, so what should you be doing at home? Right? What should you be doing with your families? Right? And you go and you hear God's word on Sunday morning, but, you know, what about the rest of the week? Well, I mean, if what Jesus says is true, and if he attaches this mighty oath to it that he can't go back on, then shouldn't we actually be speaking God's word in our households? Mm -hmm. You know, throughout the week? Shouldn't it really pepper our conversation? Why? Because by hearing his word, we then believe it. And right. if we believe it, then we have eternal life, and we're saved from judgment. Because because hearing things, especially in a rep- repetitive nature, affects the believing of those words. Mm. You you learn that from uh, from uh, Stuart Smalley. Anybody? No, I don't. I don't know that reference. Okay, Stuart Smalley was a SNL character way back when. Mm-hmm. Um. Actually, who the the guy who played it wound up being, I believe, a senator from your home state. Ah, uh, womp, Oh, womp. you know what? What what what's his what's his name again? Stuart Smalley. Smalley. Oh, so like, do you have the the Stuart Smalley board game? No. The S- Smalley burns the forest or whatever. No. 
You don't have that. Well, one? I think we we're, just we're need to have a, I think here. we just need to have a board game night. Is what I'm right. Is what I'm hearing. Well, I think we're working. What we're doing is we're working towards the clerical heirs board game. Oh, that'd be awesome. That would be pretty. We'll cool. do that. We'll do that at the live show, right? Okay, but my point <laughs> was getting back to the point of you're talking about repetition. Is is uh, at some point in the show, I think it was towards the beginning, he would have his affirmation, or he would look in the mirror. And he would say something like, uh, you know, words like, I'm good, I'm great, I'm gosh good darn it, people, people like, like me. me. Right. <laughs> but he says in a way that he doesn't believe it, but he figures the more he says it, the more he actually believes it. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, it, in the world, it's funny because we Christians have lost this, but the world knows this truth. Mm. Right. Because what do you see on every Netflix original series there is always a homosexual relationship Mm -hmm. always without a doubt and the thing is is that the more they say these things the more that they show these things you know because they know it right and they're wiser in a lot of ways the world is wiser than we are and we'll we'll, if if there's any sports fans um every baseball field every basketball court um i this morning, while I was getting ready, I had ESPN on, and there was MLS soccer, right? Uh, and uh, before the game, they all kneeled, right? Yeah. So, so they know that there too. That's the thing. The world knows this, and they are—they're uh, actually employing it, which is why, in a lot of ways, I mean, Jesus' words are right, right? That the that the the sons of this age are wiser than the children of light, <laughs> and it's true because. Like, we should know this, right? Like, and unfortunately, so many of us have gotten away from, like, memorizing the catechism mm. and memorizing Bible passages, and we just say, oh, well, you know, that's just not, you know, what that's just not good or whatever. But the thing is, is it, it is good. It is good. And the world has shown uh, that this sort of pedagogy actually works. If you keep repeating the same things over and over again, people will believe it, whether for good or for ill. Right. I think that is a good way to conclude this show. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, if they, Vicar, if they want to uh, get a hold of us, yeah, they can find us and message us on Facebook or send us an email at clerical errors, uh, feedback at clericalheirs.org, or they can tweet at us at clerical errors P. That is P for podcast. At me, bro. At me, bro. <laughs> And then we can do, uh, you can find us on Patreon, too. Uh, throw, throw us up in the old Google, and uh, you'll find us pretty quick. So, um, And if you're still interested in t-shirts? Right. Uh, well, they can send us an email, for sure. And yep. we, we, are, we are gauging interest. We want to do it. Uh, we have to figure out exactly how it's going to work, though. So let's still let us know if you uh, would be willing to buy a t-shirt. Uh Email us t-shirt at clericalheirs.org. Let us know. And some have already uh, let us know that they're interested. So, right. So, and we will. If you do email us as soon as we get the t-shirts figured out, we'll we'll uh, let you know about it, and uh, hopefully we can get all that figured out relatively soon. And and uh, do we have one more show with you? We have to have a vicar. Well, it's weird because like I won't be a vicar when it airs. Right. But yeah, I mean. I'm down for another one. All right. We we'll got, do something. We got to do a Vicar send-off show. Yeah. So. Right. 
Well, we could just make his vo- voice all ghostly and stuff, like he's coming to us from beyond the vicarage <laughs> office. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you for listening. I'm Bullhagen. And I'm Brig. And I'm Vicar. And may your may your brick-a-brack be bodacious. Bodacious. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. On Twitter, at P for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.